as you heard, if you didn't know already, uh, I spent some time away this summer getting a chance to listen to God and study His Word. And uh, today I'd like to share with you a message from Scripture that God has used powerfully in my life, not only over the last three months, but at several strategic points in my life. Uh, this comes from the last book of the Old Testament called the Book of Malachi, because Malachi is the name of the guy uh, who brings God's word to his people. And uh, there's a single theme that runs through this book. Malachi is about God resetting standards of excellence for his people. And feel free to use that. Feel free to use that, you know, when everybody at the water cooler at work is, you know, talking about Malachi. So, you know, pipe up, say, Malachi is about God resetting standards of excellence for his people. Yeah, it happens happens in my job. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, God gave Malachi a message about resetting standards because his people were living lives of disastrous mediocrity where their families were falling apart, their finances were a mess, and their lives were a tangle of, of, of stress and worries and anxieties and doubts and fears. And in Malachi, God reveals how this mediocrity in their lives can all be traced back to the fact that they have stopped aiming for excellence in their relationship with him. And God gets real honest with his people with some amazing words that I think you can appreciate with a little, in the way of background details. Uh, Hundreds of years before this message from Malachi, God instructed his people that they were going to have a two-way relationship. Like all healthy relationships, it was going to be give and take, give and take. And God says, I'm going to shower you, my people, with boundless blessings of provision and protection, and I'll give you my forgiveness and wisdom and guidance from my word. And then the people were to then express something back to God uh, for in several different ways, including an annual sacrifice of a lamb from their flock. And this lamb sacrifice was totally symbolic. It's not like God had a thing for mutton or you know something. Uh, it was symbolic of my gratitude to God for all that he gives, my affection to God for the way he relates to me, my appreciation for God's forgiveness and my commitment to him in a relationship to him. But in in order for all this symbolism to work, it couldn't be just any old lamb from the flock. I had to give God my best. And everyone with a flock knew what that meant. Everyone knew which of their lambs were the weakest and the sickest, which were in that middle group, and which were the best lambs, and which one lamb was the best of the best. And God said, best of the best. That's the lamb I want you to bring to me. But many of God's people were not aiming for excellence in their relationship with God. And God calls them out on it here in Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice to me, is that not wrong? 
When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Do you hear the problem? The problem is that instead of searching their flocks, looking for the, the best of the best lamb, some of God's people were doing the exact opposite. They were going through their herd, and you know what they were looking for? They were looking for this. <coughs> they were looking for that lamb that was leaning up against the fence. <coughs> and, you know, <coughs> this is the end. I feel so bad. And, you know, so, you know, I'm saying, you know, if that's the lamb that they were looking for, this, this diseased lamb. And they're saying, okay, here's the one I'm going to pick, pick up and bring to God. They put it on the altar and say, there's your offering, offering God. Hope you like it. And then through Malachi, uh, God says, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I'm the Almighty, your creator, the one who provides for you, your savior. And you, Bring me scraps and leftovers that you wouldn't dare bring a local politician. If this is how you value me, if this is what you think of our relationship, then don't bother. Don't bother coming at all. I'd rather you shut the temple doors until you decide to bring me your best. You know, it's been said that uh, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And you know, when it comes to my relationship with God, there have been some points in my life when I was aiming at nothing in my relationship with Him. I related to God on kind of an autopilot. I went through the motions of a little church, a little Bible, a little prayer, but really no thought of aiming to give God my best. And at these points... God has used these words to reset my standard. And God calls me to stop aiming at nothing and start aiming at nothing short of excellence in my relationship with him. How about you? If, if we were to ask Jesus about your relationship with him, what would he say? Would he say that you are aiming at nothing with him or that you are aiming at Nothing short of excellence in your relationship. So to answer that question, uh, we need to have a little bit of a concept of what it means to aim for spiritual excellence. So what does it mean to give God my best? Well, first, it means giving me to God. Uh, this excellence that God wants is symbolized in this lamb, uh, uh, this offering of a best lamb. And what that symbolizes is not the lamb, it's what's behind it. It's me. What God wants is me. Uh, God wants my heartfelt expressions of gratitude. God wants my affection toward him, wants my 
appreciation for the relationship that I am so blessed and privileged to have with him because of his forgiveness. And most of all, God wants me in a relationship of giving my best toward a daily, honest interaction with him. So for me, giving my best to God means giving me one phone note at a time. I, uh, I send phone notes uh, to God. Uh, people see me in the halls here at church, and uh, they think that I'm uh, checking for calls, but I- I'm writing a note to God. God, I saw clouds today that remind me of your promise of heaven. And I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you face to face. Savior, I love you. Thank you for loving me. You know, I'm sitting in the doctor's office. People think that I'm checking my emails, but I'm, I'm writing a note to God. God, I feel kind of overwhelmed with some stresses in my life. Jesus, just like you calmed the storm, stand up in the boat of my life and bring me peace. Uh, my uh, kids, uh, I've got two kids who are 16 years old, and uh, they're both learning how to drive. And uh, while one kid is behind the wheel, they look over at me in the passenger seat, and they think that I'm texting. But I'm writing a note to God. Lord, it appears that I will be seeing you sooner than I thought. Actually, my 16-year-olds have now uh, passed their driving tests, and uh, they are uh, two days away from uh, being uh, eligible for a Connecticut driver's license. And so to my kids, I say, congratulations. To the rest of you, I say in the spirit of Elmer Fudd, be very, very careful. Giving my best to God means giving me, giving me one phone note at a time because what God really wants from me is my best effort at a real relationship with him. God wants the best lamb of me and my expressions of gratitude and affection. What God doesn't want are my sacrifices of expression of guilt. Uh, There was a time when I used to start my every prayer with I'm sorry, God, I haven't talked to you in a long time. I'm sorry, God, I haven't thought of you for a while. I'm sorry, God, I'm such a loser. You must hate me. You know what that is? That's a, <coughs> that's a lamb that God does not want. God does not want me coming out of guilt. God does not want me coming out of obligation or some kind of dour sense of duty. God does not want my excuses. God doesn't want my empty promises to somehow do better or do something more. God wants me and a a simple two-way relationship with him where we give each other our best out of a a friendship and everything else is just a (coughs) leftover lamb he does not want. Today is a great day to reset your relationship with God. Are you aiming at nothing, or are you aiming at nothing short than excellence in your relationship with God by giving yourself to God? For you, maybe it's not, you know, a phone note. Maybe for you, it's taking a walk with God and just listening to him. Maybe it's communicating with God in your commute 
Or maybe it's listening to God's word on the train and then doing your best to apply it to your life out of your desire to do your best. So the first part of giving God my best is giving me. Next, giving my best to God means living like God is worth my sacrifice. When a person brought God the very best lamb, uh, God knew what it meant. God knew that that person was saying, God, you are worth it. And God loves it when I say the same thing, by sacrificing my personal comfort. Uh, God loves it when I say, God, I know you want me to reach out to this person at work, but this person is so harsh and so hard to love, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep forgiving. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep reaching out out of a sacrifice of my best to you. Here's something else. Uh, In just a few verses in Malachi, God resets the standard for finances and and giving God back my resources in worship to his work. Uh, God had strong words for those of his people who would not sacrifice a little of their personal comfort in order to give 10% of their income back to support God's work. He said, you are robbing me. And you know, um, giving here at worship is part of giving my best to God. And I do mean me. I mean, I have been bringing 10% of my income to God here at Black Rock since I got my first job as a 16-year-old. I do it because it's a joyful way of expressing my gratitude to God because I get a chance to see transformed lives through my offering. I do it because God makes it clear in Scripture that this is a sacrifice that is really important to him. And today is a great day to reset, push the reset button in your financial world in order to give your best to God. And uh, one other area where I can give my best to God is by sacrificing my leisure time. Giving my best to God means that I go get serious about the four steps uh, of spiritual growth here at BlackRock, where I prioritize worship by... uh, participating in corporate worship every week, uh, by sacrificing to participate in a community group, by sacrificing to serve people inside and outside BlackRock, by continually seeking out what my next step is in growth through ownership. If I want to give my best to God, I must be willing to sacrifice a little of my leisure time. Instead of saying to God, God, I can't worship this week, I'm going to sleep in. God, I can't be in community. I need to follow my favorite TV shows. God, I can't serve in ministry uh, and serve in some kind of ministry in the church because the giants and the jets need me to watch them live. And God wants me to enjoy leisure. But God loves it when I sacrifice a little bit of my leisure time and say, God, you are worth it. Last, giving my best to God uh, means... Committing to a life of giving God my best. And the key word here is commit. Because what was symbolized in that best lamb was a commitment. Will I give God that, <coughs> that coughing uh, leftover lamb or will I give God my best? It was decision time. And it's decision time then, decision time now uh, when it comes to being willing uh, to 
Make a decision. Make a decision to commit myself to God. A few evenings ago, I was uh, flipping through the channels, and I came to one of those uh, Entertainment Tonight uh, kind of shows, and uh, I just stopped long enough to catch a segment about uh, a comedian uh, and movie star, Kevin Hart, and uh, how he was recently married uh, to his longtime girlfriend. And in this uh, segment, there was a short interview with the groom, and uh, Kevin Hart said, well, we did it right, you know. Uh, my girlfriend and I uh, have been living together for six years now, and so we know our marriage is going to work. And of course, I applaud you know, Kevin uh, for uh, uh, getting married, but I paused. Uh, I paused at those words about uh, that it's first living together uh, with my girlfriend, that that's doing it right. And I paused because not only does the Bible say something about this, but each year more and more research piles up that says that living together before marriage is not right. And I know I'm speaking to some who are, are living together now or that you lived together before you got married. I want you to know I love you and God loves you. God has a great plan to, to bless you and I'm not speaking from a place of judgment. Uh, but I wanted to share a little piece of research and hopefully explain how it connects to what we're talking about today. Uh, the National Marriage Project is a 20-year study uh, concluded by the uh, University of Virginia. And this project has interviewed thousands of couples over two decades. And uh, they have found that couples who live together are more likely to be dissatisfied with their relationship. And if they get married, they're more likely to get divorced than couples who do not live together first. And the research was uh, so dramatic and kind of counterintuitive such that the researchers drilled down to ask why. Why is it that living together uh, decreases relational success? And what the researchers found was that couples who live together suffer from a process they call sliding instead of deciding. And the logic goes like this, that couples who uh, live together get to that arrangement through a drifting process. Uh, they drift from dating into sleeping over, and they drift to sleeping over more, and then drift into moving in together. And instead of making a commitment to each other, the arrangement is actually based on not deciding about each other. And then many who choose to slide uh, from living together into marriage find that when things get rough, when things get difficult, it's easy to slide into separation or divorce. And nobody says that these couples always get a divorce or that non-living couples always stay together. Uh, it's just a finding. And I think maybe this National Marriage Project finding explains why God says, shut the doors to the temple. I'm not interested in a relationship where you will not and you refuse to commit your best to me, where you will not decide to commit your best to me. And I think it's because God wants a permanent relationship with me. Just like sliding marriages uh, can't survive the hard times, God knows that this kind of sliding commitment to him will likely result in spiritual separation when my prayers don't get answered or my loved one doesn't get better or the temptations of life 
pull me apart from God. God knows that if I decide, if I decide to give him my best, I will be satisfied in him forever. But when I slide into a leftover lamb relationship with him, he risks losing me to the drifting process. God loves me too much to risk losing me. That's why God calls me to my best. God loves you too much to risk losing you. And so if you listen, he's calling you to decide, decide on a relationship of excellence. You hear God calling you? You hear God calling you to aim higher in your relationship with him? Uh, If so, do not leave here until you decide. Decide something specific. Decide on something specific related to giving yourself in a daily interaction with God. Uh, Decide something specific about a sacrifice of your comfort or your time to grow closer to God. Decide on something specific that says to God, I commit myself to you and to do my best in my relationship with you. Uh, In a moment, we're going to be sharing together the bread and cup of uh, communion. And while you hold the bread uh, and hold the cup until everyone is served, use that time to decide something specific. And then we'll remember the cross and how God always gives his best to us. How God gave his best when he gave himself in Jesus, who is the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God.